Amen. Let's pray again together. Heavenly Father, you are great. Mountain shake. Demons will flee. Uh, I pray that all of us would know more of uh, your power, uh, your might, uh, your peace uh, for our lives, uh, for our marriages, uh, our families, uh, for this church, and a community in a world that, uh, that desperately needs power. Uh, and seek it in so many of the wrong areas. Let us know that, that our power comes from Jesus by His Spirit, and He's here now. Uh, bless us, teach us, uh, and use us as we go from here. In Your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. You all grab a seat and uh, take your Bibles. Uh, a couple passages that we will look at tonight. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 2. And then we'll be in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, before, we, uh, before we get going, I want to thank you all again for being here and just share that, share that uh, you know, we want this to be an opportunity. Uh, we call this time our equipped service, that we want to equip you more uh, than, frankly, you get on a Sunday morning. Uh, both in Scripture, but also in community, uh, and moving forward in small groups. Uh, if you were here Sunday, you heard uh, Brother Jeremy uh, talk about a group that he is starting, uh, which will be at 7 o'clock, uh, so following this time, uh, it'll be here at the church, and one of his passions is really uh, uh, delving into the big questions of the faith uh, and helping uh, skeptics, or just any of us, really understand uh, more of uh, the gospel and Christianity. So if that is something you're interested in, or uh, if you need a stronger connection, it'll start next Wednesday. Two weeks. So September, what is that? 10th. Okay. So two weeks, 7 o'clock. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to try to answer a question about what is the church. Uh, now, honestly, this is one of my favorite subjects uh, because I love the church. But also, to be totally honest, I have not always loved the church. Uh, you don't have to hold your hand, but if you want to, you can. Anybody had a bad experience in church? Church world? <laughs> Got a couple of... <laughs> Doc, you just, you're just like all out front, man, brother. Anybody, uh, so, uh, anybody felt uh, lost at the place where we should feel the most connected? I have. Uh, anyone given up on like faith? in the church and just said, hey, I'm a Christian, but, you know, man, I got my deal with Jesus, so we'll have our quiet time, and, you know, I mean, I can hang out, bars or, you know, houses, but this whole, you know, organizational deal, you know, it's for, you know, it's, it's for stupid people. That's what I used to say. Now, uh, God has changed my heart and my life where I have become uh, well, I'm a pastor, but I mean, I'm a big, I just call myself a church man. Like, I, I love the church uh, in all its messiness, in all its brokenness. Uh, really do all I can to uh, protect our church and support uh, other churches uh, and people that are in ministry. Because God has given me, it just didn't happen in one service uh, or in one night, uh, a, a bigger view of the church and, and its power. And now I like to say, you know... Uh, the church was God's plan A, and there is no plan B uh, for the 
what we call raising his kingdom uh, across the earth. And so I just, uh, you know, I want to grow the church. And I say the capital C church. And I always say, you know, if you do what's good for the kingdom, it's going to be good for your church. But if you always just focus on your church, it could be bad for the kingdom. So tonight I want us to try to answer that question, what is the church? And this is for those of y'all who are believers. I mean, we've got church leaders in here. Uh, but we also want this time to be for folks who are, are questioning or who don't have uh, as big of an understanding on faith or Jesus or the church. And so that's going to be how we try to position this whole teaching each and every week. So tonight is the church. And uh, there are three... The church is really in three parts, okay? Um, the first one that I'm going to hit on, is called the triumphant church, or church triumphant. Uh, now, some of y'all may have heard that phrase. Uh, some of y'all may have never heard it. You're like, what is church triumphant? Does that mean like music? Does it mean triumphant? Well, both. It means worship and that the church triumphs across history, across time. Ephesians 2, uh, Paul, I believe, is talking about this. And I'm going to read, I'm actually, I'm going to read verse 13 through verse 22. There's a longer passage, but it, it ties in to what Jesus has done, and I hope that you can at least see a glimpse of this. Okay? Paul is writing to a church here. Actually, all Paul's letters were either to a church or to a pastor of a church. And so he is trying to get them to see the power of community, the power of the Holy Spirit, but it begins in Jesus, but it grows in and through us as people and leaders. So I always like to say this too, uh, not to get off track, but there's got to be something supernatural about the church if it is to have real power, real impact in your lives. It is about gathering. It is about scattering going out. But more so, it is about like, and I, I said this, I believe, Sunday morning, that, man, I want us to expect, like when we enter these doors, I mean, you expect something supernatural to happen. And it may be a revelation or a vision that you have through worship or through word or through a relationship, but that the Holy Spirit is, is moving. I mean, we have a supernatural faith. We believe that a man uh, was alive who was God. He died, and then he rose again. So, I mean, everything about our faith, should we should expect great miracles to happen. So Paul is he's kind of pressing in on this. Verse 13 to the church in Ephesus chapter 2. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh all the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, and those two words are very key for Paul, whenever he like makes a point about Jesus, then the result he begins, so then, here's the result. First, what Jesus has done. So then, you, us, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Paul says a lot there. We'll try to break it down. Say, what is the church triumphant? First off, it's what Jesus has done. That there was uh, hostility, uh, there was division, there still is division uh, amongst people, relationships, marriages, uh, nations. And Paul is saying in these first couple of verses, Jesus is the answer. What he's done, he has reconciled us uh, to the Father, and he can reconcile us to one another in a marriage, in a relationship, uh, in community, uh, amongst races. And then the result, he gets in verse 19, so then, you're no longer strangers, no longer aliens, he uses that word, but you are fellow citizens. So as Christians, we have, it's like we have a new passport, and it's, it's the greatest passport, greatest stamp anybody could ever have. And our, our, our primary home uh, is not Jackson or Mississippi or America, our primary home is with the Lord. And we have a foretaste of that by His Holy Spirit, and one day we'll have it totally in reality, whether we are like Brother Walker and go there before Christ returns, or, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, I'm not going to read that passage, but I read it at chapel this week, we are called up and meet the Lord in the air as He comes back. Praise God. Now, I say it's church triumphant because to really begin to see the church, and it starts big, cosmic, historical picture. And I don't know if any of you ever thought about church like that. You may have just thought about church as bellwether or, you know, your home church where you really couldn't stand the music or the church where, you know, you couldn't stand the pastor. I mean, you know, whatever it could be that you did not like, you know, those images. But you start off with church has to be uh, eternal, cosmic, throughout all time. And I say triumphant because Paul says... Built, look at this, built on the foundation of the apostles. Who are the apostles? Well, there's Matthew, John, Peter, James, talk about them, and the prophets. So, pre Jesus Old Testament here, they're building the church. So, men and women who have gone before uh, and have died, have it, their life on this earth has ended, they're part of the church. They're part of this church triumphant. And then, brothers and sisters and parents. And God forbid children who've gone before us are part of this church triumphant. That the church is not just this, this place that we kind of come to, uh, maybe because we feel like we've got to you know, check the box or feel good about ourselves, uh, particularly when we you know, come on Wednesday nights so we're doing more than you know, Sunday. The church is this, it, it is this eternal cosmic deal that has been going on in God's plan, uh, both in heaven and in earth. So the church trumpet is, is everybody throughout history, throughout time, that has believed in Christ. And so it says, you know, we are growing from that foundation into a temple. And Jesus is the temple. He, he's the new temple. Uh, you know, he always said, you know, before he uh, was crucified, you know, he would destroy the temple, rebuild it in three days. He's the new temple. Uh, and we have this foundation, but we are growing in him. Uh, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that's why I say we should walk in here 
uh, not just praying, expecting miraculous things to happen. And I would love to grow a culture. You walk through these doors, and like we expect healings. Uh, we expect reconciliation uh, because of what we see in the past from Scripture, but also in, in brothers and sisters who have been healed. So that's the church triumphant. Uh, now, secondly, I said there's three modes of church, three parts of church. Church triumphant, biggest picture. Then there's the church universal, okay? And so now we're going to take heaven out of the mix, and we're just going to focus on earth. And some of you are like, well, I just always thought it was focused on earth. Well, it's more than that. It's heaven and earth, cosmic plan, history, eternal, church. But just on earth, it's the church universal, uh, which would be uh, all Christians and churches uh, all over the world. Uh, the churches, Brother Thomas, Sister Kathy, we worship in in Honduras. Uh, the pastor that I had dinner with a couple weeks ago who's trying to start this church in Dubai. And, you know, I, I told y'all, I was like, man, my, the Lord was just telling me, encourage these people, encourage these people, because they're like, you know, just, it's discouraging. I mean, where they are, it's like, it's not the Bible Belt, but they're really trying to expand the kingdom. Um, all over this country, North America, you know, all over the world is the universal church. Now, I want to read a passage in 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to read verse 16 through verse 21, basically the end of this chapter. And I read this because here Paul is writing to another local church uh, in Corinth, which, a little side note, Corinth is a fascinating church. Uh, I always say, if you want to feel good about your church, just read First and Second Corinthians. Uh, a lot of sin, a lot of explicit sin, uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of sexual sin, a lot of stuff going down in Corinth. And so Paul is writing to them to try to help them see one another as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, we'll start with verse 16. Paul says, and, and it's interesting too, I'm giving you all little tidbits of Scripture here. When he says, from now on, that means, you know, he, he's about to make, you know, a big statement. Just like so then, from now on, therefore, we regard or see no one according to the flesh. Uh, that right there is just a, a radical statement that uh, I don't see Chris as, as Chris, as, as tall guy, and, you know, I know he used to, he had, had some hair, but, uh, and, you know, I wish you had your height, you wish you had my hair. You know, I always told him, man, I mean, I'll shave if you just grow yours out, but he never takes me up on that. I wouldn't do that anyway. But, literally... Not seeing people as a flesh, but as a brother in Christ. And that we have this, uh, this family, this new family. And it's not just here at Bellwether. Uh, it is all over the world that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me go on. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, 
He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now I chose this passage uh, about the church universal because I think it says, I mean, it's actually one of my favorite chapters and uh, it says some great things. The passage in Ephesians, you know, it talked about us having, you know, new citizenship tied to the apostles and the prophets from, from long ago. But here... It says that in Christ, when we receive him, we're a new creation. Uh, I mean, we're literally a new person. And I say, you know, if you, if you don't have that newness or if you're not a new person, uh, then, you know, honestly, I question if you know Christ. And I'd love to talk to you about that. But it says you're a new creation. And then it moves on and it says not only are we a new creation, uh, we are ambassadors. Uh, now, I don't know if any of you ever worked in, in government. Uh, I have, uh, and I always thought being an ambassador was like a great gig because, you know, you got to, uh, you know, live in this nice place, but uh, you, you was in a foreign country, yet you represented your home there in this foreign country. I always thought that was pretty cool. But if you think about it, that we're ambassadors, and again, it ties to church triumphant. This is not our home. It's not our home. But now we're ambassadors. So we, we are to represent our home. In this foreign country. I like ambassadors a little bit more than aliens. Paul chose aliens. But ambassadors, and I I would love for you all to think about that. I mean, as you go, as you live, um, as you work, uh, an ambassador for Christ. You probably heard that phrase, but thinking about it is what ambassadors do. We're in a foreign locale. We are to uh, represent the the desires of our home and, uh, and work for them. But then something also that we are, and look at this, that we are the righteousness of God. He ends this passage. We're a new creation, we're ambassadors, but we're the righteousness of God. That is a, um, I don't know, for, for those of you, and it may be no one here, but for those of you who've uh, felt unworthy, uh, unworthy in, um, in your life, in, in school, growing up, in your marriage, um, in relationships, uh, just low self-esteem, that, that in Christ we become the righteousness. Literally, His right works are going through us uh, and making an impact in this world and shaping society as we're ambassadors. And, and that, if you believe that and you begin to live that, I mean, it, it changes your worldview. And, and that's the church. That's the universal church. So us here at Bellwether and Jackson and those in, a, in another country we're all, we're the new creation, we're ambassadors, and we are the right works. That's literally how righteousness should be translated. We're the right works of God. He also talks about reconciliation here. He says that again in Ephesians. We just read it. He says the same thing in 2 Corinthians. Uh, reconciliation is a big topic for Paul. Uh, first, because God has reconciled himself to us in Christ as in he's made things right by Jesus. Uh, but also, if we're his, that we're, we're to work as ambassadors to make things right with one another. Uh, and that can be, that can be tough, uh, particularly with people who are different. And, and, you know, a big catchphrase, you know, thrown out, and, and frankly, I get tired of it a lot of times because I think, you know, people use it and abuse it, is the whole, the whole racial reconciliation. Uh, but yet it's very real. You know, ask brothers and sisters in Ferguson, but if you focus see on Jesus, 
then you know, Jesus is, is working to reconcile us all. And if we're his ambassadors, uh, the color of our skin shouldn't matter. Uh, the, the zip code we live in shouldn't matter. Um, the job we have shouldn't matter. Uh, I mean, we have a new status, uh, a, literally a new class, new creation, ambassadors, new role. We are we're God's right works. And, you know, let me give you two examples how I'd love to see this uh, fleshed out at Bellwether. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're here, but we really have to work to get our minds in this right frame of mind. And I was trying to think, what could be an example of just, you know, totally different types of people, maybe different races, coming together, growing together in Christ? What, what would that be like? And so, I've got two examples. And just let this sit with you, okay? I hadn't seen this happen at Bellwether. I'd love to see it happen at Bellwether. Again, these are just, you know, kind of my, my fancy dreams, okay? What if uh, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning uh, at the altar, there was, uh, let's just say, an, an elderly lady uh, that would convince no one that she is, like, cool. And she is embracing and, and praying over a 15-year-old, uh, anorexic, tattooed-up, you know, piercings, and they're, like, praying together as Chris, our worship team, is leading in worship. Be awesome. That's the church. It's what I want to see here at Bellwether. That we break down the walls of how we look or what we do. We have glimpses of the church, the true church. The other example I thought of, what if we had a Hispanic, in Honduras, Hispanic brother who was a janitor. And he was mentoring a white millionaire here at Bellwether. And both of those dudes knew that the janitor was mentoring the millionaire because he had a stronger walk with Christ. It's powerful. And that, that's the type of stuff that like gives me cold chills and like is like the supernatural when you expect that kind of thing to happen. It's what I want to see. It's what I want to see. It's what I'd love to see. But if that is to happen, then Jesus has to do a work in us. Where, you know, the white dude with money says. I'm going to sit under a janitor who's of a different race, and he's going to mentor me in Christ. Now, both of them have gifts, and I've said this. I mean, not to bring money into it, but making money is a gift. Some people have it. It's one gift. There are other gifts. But breaking down our, our vision of, of, like, what is success and, and what is the right way to live and aligning it with Jesus and, and the true church, the church universal. And just some thoughts to think about. But I do think that that is like a glimpse of, of what the church should be and what I'd love Bellwether to be and what we're, we're moving to. Now, church triumphant, universal church, brothers and sisters. Uh, I got a, a wonderful glimpse of the universal church uh, here uh, in, in Jackson, as many of us did this week. Uh, from, you know, texts that were shot out last Saturday night or early into Saturday morning, uh, to you know, hundreds down at the hospital praying together, uh, different schools, different churches, uh, loving on one another, uh, to different prayer vigils and services, and just the, the outpouring. I mean, it, it love seeing the church be the church and saying, hey, we, we all got a common enemy. We're, we're all in this together. We need to encourage one another, comfort one another. So, and I give thanks to really all of y'all because y'all have been part of it. And, 
in certain ways for just being the church. And it's not about Bellwether. It's about the big C church in this city, in this state, uh, in this world. But let's, let's, let's get down. Triumphant church, universal church. And last one we'll hit tonight, and we will get into this more next week, is the local church. So there is the church through history and time. There is the church all over the earth. And then, in God's providence, uh, there are local churches. And my wife and I talk about this a lot uh, because, you know, it's just, I don't know, we're just, you know, well, I guess we're, we're, we're all boring, you know, pastor and pastor's wife folks. So we talk about, you know, how churches are different. And not every church uh, gets everything right. It's, it's like, you know, some churches are good here, some churches are good in this, some churches are good, you know, missions, uh, discipleship, worship, you know, community. And so I think, honestly, and this is my opinion, it's not in Scripture, but, but the reason for that is that there are all these different types of people that need ministering to, so you do need different types of churches. And, and that's a, a very good thing. I mean, my heart, I'll, you know, y'all may or may not know this, my heart, I mean, I want to raise leaders, so leadership development and missions. And, you know, I mean, all the other stuff is, is great. I mean, I'm very relational, but, I, man, that's my, that's my passion. That's, that's my heart. So, you know, I'm going to be moving into those things. But the local church, uh, as the universal church, we're brothers and sisters of Christ, I believe we should have, you know, a stronger family tie here. Um, one thing I say, too, you know, it gives me probably the most pride uh, when someone says at Bellwether, you know, that's my family. That's my family. Love that. Love hearing that. That's what, frankly, my wife and I are trying to grow, a family here, that you feel part of the family. And so I do think there, is this, there should be this greater shared community and connection uh, that we covenant, use that word, together at a local church to grow together. Um, you know, Jesus said, you don't have to go to this, Mark 10, 29. He said, he who, if I can say it the right way, he said, he who gives up mother and father and brothers and sisters uh, for me will receive so much more in this world and the world to come. And so I believe what Jesus is saying is like, you know, we think we have, you know, our, our family, our spouse, our siblings, our children, but in Christ we have this, such a greater family uh, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I heard this testimony, it's not at Bellwether, it's actually not in Jackson, uh, that's so uh, connected with this. And it was with a guy uh, who was struggling with same-sex attraction. And he said, he said, you know, it's just awesome because I got to celebrate uh, the birth of my first uh, niece and my first nephew. And see, he had no siblings, and he had committed to a celibate life because of the thing he was dealing with, same-sex attraction. But what he went on to say, and he said what many people don't see is that I have this family, and, and I have nieces and nephews in Christ. And, and that is awesome, and that is the truth. And that's how I want our church to feel when, uh, when people join or when we baptize babies, that, you know, this is my, this is my new niece and nephew. He's a brother and sister in Christ. And I hope that that grows. And so what that would look like here is if, you know, another thing that I thought of would be you know, what if married couples, you know, kind of adopted some singles here? I mean, like really adopted them, started having them over for dinner. Or what if singles sought out married couples and, 
you know, things like that, things that are really countercultural. It's what the church should be. It's who I want us to be. Two passages real quick in Hebrews. We turn to Hebrews that I think show the connection, the community that a local church should have. Hebrews 10, and I read it this past Sunday. So connecting this talk with Sunday. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and then another couple verses in Hebrews 3. Look at this for us, okay? This is local church. This is Bellwether here. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And you're like, well, what would that say to us? It says, okay, encourage one another. Well, as I was just, I was doing some more research on these couple of verses. And what is fascinating, I love kind of, you know, the Greek meaning, because sometimes the English doesn't do it justice. When it says in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. Really, in English, some words were added in there. And the Greek, the original uh, meaning of that verse would say, let us consider one another. And you just would take out how to stir up. Let us consider one another in love and good works. And so the focus is just on everybody else. So, you know, let me consider Caleb and Doc and Lee and Boyd. Let me consider them in love and good works for them. So it is literally like serving one another. And because it's translated this way in English... Stirring up, the thinking would be that just considering others and loving on one another stirs up those good works. Think about that. Just always considering one another in all that we do and taking ourselves out of the equation. That's really what that verse is saying, what a local church should be. And then the other one, Hebrews 3. So a couple chapters over. It's a totally different track Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. Listen to this. So one way is considering others in love, in good works. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I chose those verses because the consider passage in Hebrews 10 is, is love and serving one another. This one is protecting one another and holding one another accountable. It says, you know, there are things that may lead you to fall away from God. People can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, Paul writes elsewhere that you know the sin deceives us. That we seek some things in the world. The devil tricks us. It deceives us in thinking, "Hey, this is, you know, if I have this, I'll be complete." Paul's saying, "Protect one another, hold one another accountable, watch out for one another," which sometimes means in the body, calling out truth, in love and grace, uh, but saying, "Man, don't don't go down this road, or, or come back, please." I mean, you're you're hurting. 
uh, your family, your marriage. Uh, so it sometimes calls us to hard yet graceful conversations, all the while considering one another uh, in love and good works. And so I hope you see these like two pillars, or it's like two cords of a rope, that, that it is love and service and it is protection as well, protecting the body and the flock. And, and we do that together. That's what a local church should be. Uh, so church triumphant, church universal, local church. And in the local church, there should be this, this deeper and stronger commitment to love and serve one another and to protect and keep one another accountable uh, as, as the body of Christ. I'm going to just close with this, just a couple of thoughts. And again, next week we're going to be even more into the local church about your gifts more as, as a family. But, you know, that's what we're trying to do here at Bellwether uh, with what we call our covenant, covenant membership. And, and many of you uh, have joined, but we're saying, hey, we want to be part of something uh, that is, is definitely the supernatural and more powerful, but that we're uni- united in what we believe, uh, which is the core of Christianity, the Bible, Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we commit to that. You know, and I said in our covenant lunch on Sunday, it is uh, it's so fascinating to me that a fraternity and sorority calls for a much greater and deeper commitment than most churches. And, and y'all know that's the truth. And actually, people give uh, a much deeper commitment and allegiance usually to a fraternity and sorority than they would a church. And this is the church. Uh, the bride of Christ, it's called the body of Christ, which is tied to the church triumphant and the church universal. And so that's why we say, look, we want to be really committed and grow together and grow deep together and love one another and protect one another. And, you know, even though we're all broken, that we are, we're all moving forward and growing together. So I hope uh, that's what we can have more and more uh, on, on nights like tonight. And let that overflow into uh, our lives. Our lives as we gather here and as we scatter uh, to be part of the bigger church um, all over the city and the world. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to have another worship song and then I'll, I'll close this again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your church. Uh, dear Lord, I, I thank you that you, you gave me or giving me uh, just a sense of its beauty and its grandeur. Uh, that it's so much bigger than, than any of us can fathom. And I pray you'd grow that in me more and more. Uh, you, you'd grow it in, in me till, till the day uh, I see glory, whether that's you on earth or me in heaven. Uh, and I pray that you'd give our people here more of that sense, and they'd see it more at Bellwether. And they'd see your church as, as it's meant to be. Uh, different people who would never uh, be in a supper club or hang out and praying together and mentoring one another uh, and us going uh, to this community uh, in love and, and saying, hey, man, we're, even though you're from another church, man, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that you would just, just give us this greater, uh, this stronger, this deeper sense of your church, and we'd want to be a part of it. We want to love one another, and we want to protect one another, and that it, it is so much more beautiful and grander than, than, than we can imagine, but that's because you are here and you're with us as you are now. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.